It's Saturday, November the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden extends his lead and American unemployment falls. First, the week in brief. Joe Biden took the lead in Pennsylvania and Georgia as the count from America's presidential election ground on. If Mr. Biden wins in Pennsylvania, which has now tallied more than 95% of its ballots, he will cross the 270 electoral college vote threshold to win the presidency. Georgia's Secretary of State announced that the margin is so tight there that the contest will go to a recount. Donald Trump's campaign continues to cry fraud. However, his lawyers have failed to make headway with lawsuits in several states for lack of evidence. Several Republican senators broke rank and called on the president to accept the will of the people. America's Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that total non-farm employment rose by 638,000 in October. The unemployment rate fell to 6.9%, down from 7.9% in September. Both figures were better than expected and suggest that the recovery in America's labor market is accelerating. Nevertheless, non-farm employment is still 10.1 million lower than in February before the pandemic struck. Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan sacked the governor of the country's central bank amid a continuing currency crisis. The lira has plummeted to record lows against the dollar, stoking inflation. Even so, contrary to economic orthodoxy, Mr Erdogan has pushed for lower interest rates. Last month, the central bank held rates steady when many economists had called for an increase. The chief executive of Garuda Indonesia, the country's flag-carrying airline, said he would cooperate with a bribery investigation into Bombardier, a Canadian plane maker. Britain's serious fraud office is investigating Bombardier's sale of aircraft to the Indonesian airline. The transactions involved Emircia Satar, a previous boss of Garuda who was jailed in May on bribery charges related to purchases from Airbus and Rolls-Royce. Bombardier promised to cooperate with investigators. At least 12 people in Denmark's Jutland region have been infected with a new strain of the coronavirus linked to mink farms. Health authorities warn that the mutated virus may be resistant to the COVID-19 vaccines under development. The region introduced new lockdown restrictions and announced a mink cull. Britain removed Denmark from a list of countries from which arrivals do not need to quarantine. Ethiopia looked to be edging closer to civil war after the Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed said the country's air force had launched strikes against military targets in Tigray, a northern state. The Tigray People's Liberation Front, which governs the state, has fallen into conflict with the federal government, which until recently it dominated. And Bipin Rawat, India's army chief, warned that the standoff with Chinese forces in the Himalayas could escalate again. Troops have squared off over the frontier for months. In June, violence left at least 20 Indian soldiers and an unknown number of Chinese dead. Yesterday, officials from both sides met for the eighth round of talks since the crisis began. And now, here's today's agenda. Tough gig. Industry. Investment banking is cutthroat. Industry, a drama series that debuts on HBO in America and the BBC in Britain next week, offers a look inside the social dynamics of a trading floor and what it takes to survive. Its creators should know. Mickey Down and Conrad Kay both worked in finance before moving into TV. 
The plot follows Harper Stern, a young black American expatriate in London, and a handful of other graduate hires at Pierpont, a thinly veiled pseudonym for J.P. Morgan. The mighty bank's P stands for Pierpont. The other protagonists who run the gamut from a brash Essex boy to spreadsheet wizards and posh girls from Notting Hill are fiercely competitive. They are immediately pitted against one another for a limited number of jobs. As the pressure mounts, they turn to each other for support, as well as to drink, drugs and sex. A feast for the eyes, eater's guide to the world. With COVID-19 restrictions still in place and even tightening again, the prospect of travelling and eating out remains stubbornly distant. Eater's Guide to the World, a food and travel series that begins streaming on Hulu next week, offers both, albeit vicariously. Produced by the people behind Eater, a popular food website owned by Vox Media, each episode focuses on the cultural and culinary delights of a different destination from Casablanca to Costa Rica. The standard fare of delectable nosh, shot using artful close-ups, is present. But it is Maya Rudolph, a comedian and the show's narrator, who sets it apart from more po-faced shows such as Chef's Table. The juxtaposition of a luscious aesthetic and Ms. Rudolph's irreverent commentary, damn, you guys are making me hungry, makes a delicious combination. Mostly shot before the pandemic, the show is a light-hearted reminder of what awaits gourmands once they can leave lockdown dinners behind. Divine Detail, The Sistine Chapel It took Michelangelo four years to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Most visitors spend less than 30 minutes gawking at it, often among throngs of strangers. These are hardly ideal conditions for beholding artistic genius. Now, for a mere $22,000, you can commune with these Renaissance frescoes amid the comforts of home. The Vatican, Scripta Maniant, an Italian art publisher, and Callaway Arts and Entertainment, a publisher in New York, have just released The Sistine Chapel, a three-volume set that documents every daub of paint and crack in plaster in the vaulted room. The hefty price tag in part covers the costs of producing these lavish, high-resolution, hand-bound books, of which only 600 have been printed in English. Proceeds will also help the Vatican's conservation efforts. Helpfully for sales, the rich have not got poorer in this pandemic, and some want something nice to look at during their many hours at home. Worth a punt, sports betting in America. Of all the possible outcomes of the American elections, this was among the safest of bets. Voters in Louisiana, Maryland and South Dakota voted heavily in favour of legalising sports betting. By the end of 2021, gambling on sports games could be legal in more than half of the country, a remarkable transformation. For years, such betting was only possible in the gambler's paradise of Nevada or on black markets. In 2018, the Supreme Court lifted a federal ban that prevented state governments from legalising it. The bosses of big leagues, such as the National Football League and the National Basketball Association, had long opposed betting, arguing that it risked match-fixing and that it would not guarantee their teams any more revenue. They have since signed agreements to sell their data to bookmakers. The occasional flutter could also help to keep sports fans hooked, giving the leagues a further boost. Guerrilla Warfare How Infanticide Curbs Conservation 
The success of mountain gorilla conservation is largely due to the legacy of Dion Fossey, an American primatologist murdered in 1985. Since the 1980s, populations have grown from just 250 to around 1,000 gorillas, despite poachers and deforestation. But research from the Dion Fossey Gorilla Fund, published in Science Advances, has found that people are not their only threat. Fifty years of census data on the mountain gorillas of the Virunga Massif on the borders of Congo, Rwanda and Uganda show that growth in their numbers has been highly uneven. The fluctuations are due to violence, but not by humans. As populations grew, larger groups with up to eight silverbacks, as adult males are known, became unstable. Younger males splintered off to form rival groups, but they became too close for comfort. Violence was inevitable, leading to a 4.5-fold increase in infanticide. Sadly, living at such high density, gorillas in the red mist will keep killing each other. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Catherine the Great, who died on November 17, 1796. Power without a nation's confidence is nothing. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.